0: Welcome Bankless Nation to a very special episode, a live stream that we got to do just because this is what happens when the news breaks. We have the hop drop on our hands, the Hop protocol, uh, the bridging protocol between Ethereum layer one, Ethereum layer twos and other chains. Did a token, and and of course, they're launching a DAO. So we are talking all about these things today on the Bankless livestream, because apparently that's what you do when you launch a DAO. You come to Bankless, and we live stream about it. It's a ton of fun. The community shows up. Uh, They're all in the YouTube comments right now. Uh, I'm really going to enjoy this one. Uh, For those that don't know, we've also had Chris Winfrey on before. Chris Winfrey, of course, has been with Hop Protocol for a very long time. Uh, He will be joining me and unpacking the hop drop and the launch of Hop Protocol DAO. Uh, some, uh, Some of the typical questions that you would expect as well as the unique things about Hop Protocol, because Hop, uh, as a system, as an org, as a DAO, got spun up with a unique genesis story that lends itself to the to the long arc of what Hop is and what arc, uh, what Hop will become as well. So of course, what is the token responsible for? How much responsibility did we just receive? Uh, the airdrop details and the distribution. Of course, uh, there is a new Hop Foundation. There's Hop Labs. There's the DAO. How do these things all interface? Uh, and uh, where is the hop protocol going and then of course like chris has been in the space for a while so i just want to pick his brain about uh the coming layer Two Two Two. this is the second layer 2 related token to come out in the last two weeks uh and there are definitely more on the horizon so what happens next when more of these tokens come out and about and reinvigorates excitement back into defi back into layer twos uh, all of these conversations are coming up next right after we talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible All right, Bankless Nation, let's go ahead and get right into the show. I'm joined with Chris Winfrey of Hot Protocol. uh, And Chris, uh, exciting news, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks,
1: David. It's great to be back on the show. It's definitely been a, a crazy week, but yeah, super excited to be here.
0: Yeah, uh, all of a sudden, you're Oh, there you go. Camera just became uh, in focus again. Wonderful. Okay, cool. Let's get into it, man. But like, there's so many things to discover. And so many things to talk about, like, of course, all the airdrop details, the distribution, all the all the things that people would expect. But of course, we need to actually talk about what we are talking about. So what is hot protocol? And what does it do? And why do people use it?
1: Yeah, so, so Hop protocol is a uh, cross-chain bridge we're, we're very much focused on the Ethereum ecosystem. So we, we have a hub-and-spoke model where Ethereum is the hub, and then we support uh, layer two networks like Arbitrum and Optimism. We support other L1s um, that, that you know, are close to the Ethereum ecosystem like uh, Polygon and Gnosis Chain. Um, And ultimately we can support any chain that has a message bridge with Ethereum. So, you know, we will be expanding um, and connecting Ethereum with kind of the broader uh, crypto ecosystem. Um, But we, you know, keep Ethereum at the center of it and and this allows us to have this really secure bridge model where we can put these stop gaps between each network. So if any one network were to fail, the users on uh, the other networks are safe. So that way users on Arbitrum and Optimism can enjoy, you know, trustless, uh, you know, enjoy the full uh, security of Ethereum, uh, but then you can still jump, you know, straight over to, to another chain like Polygon and, and um, you know, enjoy the, the low fees and, and so on.
0: All right. Okay. And of course, just asking the very basic questions, why do we need bridges? Why are bridges necessary?
1: Yeah. So, you know, within the Ethereum ecosystem, you know, we're seeing this movement from layer one Ethereum to layer two. Um, and with, with the kind of rollup centric Ethereum roadmap, uh, scaling roadmap, um, you know, usage is moving to, to this you know very diverse layer two ecosystem. So right now, you know, we have Arbitrum, we have Optimism, um, you know, we have we have some uh Starkware rollups that are application specific, but you know, they're gonna be launching their own rollup. Uh ZK Sync uh, is live, their V2 is coming very soon. Um, and, and so we just have like all of these different solutions. They all have different use cases, different trade-offs. Um, but ultimately for regular users, layer one is super, super expensive. So if you want to be uh, using Ethereum, you want, actually want to just be this layer two native citizen where you jump from one layer two to the next and never have to touch the uh, base uh, layer of Ethereum. Um, And then also, you know, if you want to jump to outside the Ethereum ecosystem, you also need a bridge to kind of get your assets over there.
0: Okay, of course, of course, right. We are going into a multi-chain world, whether you think it's a multi-layer two world, a multi-layer one world, uh, but we're going to need bridges around these things. But each each uh, different layer two has its own canonical bridge, right? Can you help, uh, help the listeners unpack the difference between the layer two bridges that are built by the layer twos themselves, like the layer two optimism bridge and the layer two arbitrum bridge and things like hop
1: and connects? Can you differentiate between these things? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, like you said, each, each of the uh, layer twos, as well as kind of these like um, Ethereum side chains, like, like uh, Polygon and Gnosis Chain have um, a asset and a message bridge with Ethereum. So uh, this lets you, you know, like one um, contractor can talk to each other. And then also, if you just want to move your assets over, you can. Um, with specifically with optimism or optimistic rollups, uh, this message bridge takes a full week uh, to get back to Ethereum, and this is enough time for any kind of uh, fraud detection to play out on chain. Uh, make sure that all the assets on those, you know those networks are secure, um, and then also all of these bridges are, are just between the networks and Ethereum. Um, And so what Hop does is we basically leverage these bridges, uh, specifically the message bridges, um, to create this uh, broader kind of cross uh, chain bridge so that you can not just go from like Polygon to Ethereum or Optimism to Ethereum or Arbitrum to Ethereum, but you can actually go directly between each of these. Um, And the way that we do this is we uh, bundle messages uh, on one chain, so we get, you know, Thousands of messages that are sending from, say, you know, Polygon to Arbitrum. Uh, we we pack those up and then we send them through uh, Layer One Ethereum to to the destination. But that's you know a very small package, and then we can unpack them over there. And this creates this you know very uh, scalable way to get a message from uh, one you know non Ethereum chain to the next by using Ethereum as a hub.
0: Certainly. And without these cross layer two bridges, if you were on Polygon and wanted to get to Arbitrum, you would have to go down to the Ethereum layer one and then send your money over to the Arbitrum bridge and then up to Arbitrum. And then if you wanted to go to Optimism, you would go back down. That would take seven days. Uh, and then you could go over to Arbitrum and then or Optimism and then up to Optimism. And then getting off of Optimism would take another seven days. But with these cross layer two bridges, uh, we can just go and hop from layer two to layer two to layer two without any of that time delay. One of the cool things about this whole thing is that we knew that this was a problem for layer twos, like from a long way off, this whole seven day like withdrawal thing is just not gonna be tenable for users. And so like products like Hop and Connects started getting built even before the layer twos had launched and so it's one of the cool instances of problems being solved before they were even coming into existence and that brings me to my, my my next question about the genesis of hop how did hop come to be uh where did it come from because of course now that it is turning into a DAO, i think it's important to understand the genesis of this whole thing so where did how did you, uh hop come to be in the first place who
1: created it yeah. So, you know, our, our, team has been around the space for uh, a long time now. And, and so previously we were working on a contract based account, uh, wallet called Ethereum. And, and so this was, you know, targeted towards regular users that just wanted to kind of log in with a u- username and password, but we, you know, stuck to kind of the core Ethereum ethos where it was like non-custodial uh, you know, you could access it on your own and, but it still made it like very easy to onboard. Um, but, you know, DeFi summer hit, we saw, started to see a lot of these users just get completely priced out of mainnet Ethereum, because unless you're dealing with, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, if you're paying hundreds of dollars of transaction fees, like you're just getting your yield cut, it, you know, it stops making sense very, very fast. And so what we did with Ethereum is we started integrating with different layer twos. Um, at the time, it was like diversify uh, and uh, loop ring. Uh, and you know, so primarily application-specific layer twos uh, focused on exchanges uh, or being exchanges. And we saw our users; they would kind of move to these layer twos, they'd make a few transactions, and then they move back. And by the time they they paid the bridging costs, you know, they deployed their layer one account. Uh, they might as well have just used Uniswap on layer one; like they weren't really saving uh, money. And so, and and meanwhile, we are you know seeing. Like our onboarding flow just get destroyed by fees because now all these new users that have this smooth onboarding flow now have to pay, you know, a hundred, $200 just to deploy their account and get started, which was just like a deal breaker for, for most regular people. So we, were, we knew that, okay, we need to onboard users directly to layer two, and then just let them hop around from one layer two to the next, never touch layer one, never have to deploy that contract-based account. And yeah, started to think about um, different ways we could do this, and yeah, so we came up with uh, Hop Protocol. It's a you know very unique um, design. Uh, we put the white paper out uh, towards the beginning of 2021, uh, just to the research community, um, and then. Yeah, not too long after Vitalik released his paper on the roll up centric uh, scaling roadmap. And that post actually called for exactly what we were building. Like, we need to do, um, you know, we need to be better about uh, transferring assets from one roll up to the next. So we got super, super excited, uh, just kind of went heads down, built the thing as fast as we possibly could, uh, you know, went through a bunch of audits, made, made sure everything was secure. Released it uh, last July, um, and then yeah, then grown it since.
0: Oh, man, that, that is a cool story. So, how many people who were working on the original Ethereum project uh, were rotated into the Hop project?
1: Yeah, so so it's uh, the
0: three founders. Um, yeah, uh, that's three. So three guys. Okay, uh, great. And yeah. then and then how has the Hop community grown since then?
1: Um, I mean, in terms of the, the team, uh, we, we have uh, Lido on our team as well. Um, so it's, you know, Shane, Miguel, myself, uh, and Lido. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're going to be growing the team uh, pretty aggressively coming up. So, you know, if you're interested in, in uh, you know, building a bridge and, and, you know, helping us scale Ethereum, uh, definitely reach out. Um, and then as far as the community goes, like that, that's that been one of the coolest things to see is, is you know, we, we've really seen a lot of people step up. Um, you know, take charge, whether it's like mods in the Discord or people building uh, Dune dashboards or uh, Twitter bots and and all kinds of stuff, just like making small contributions um, to Hop.
0: Yeah, and I think this makes for a really unique story out of Hot Protocol, where uh, you you guys saw a need ahead of time based off of what you were building. It's like, well, this is a problem for our current product. Uh, and then you had like this uh, nice immaculate just like Vitalik paper saying, hey, this is going to be a problem coming forward. And you guys were like, oh, we already knew that. Let's keep on building. It was like you know, the Vitalik val- validation. Uh, but then like you ro- uh, rotated Ethereum into HOP protocol uh, way ahead of the curve before the, ro- uh, the, the, the like, roll-up centric roadmap was even well understood by the broader Ethereum Community, Uh, but you guys never actually took any additional VC funding from uh, from anyone before after the rotation from Ethereum into Hot Protocol. Is that correct?
1: So, so we 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 did do the round with Ethereum, like you said, Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, we did actually do a a very small round just to get um, a few uh, DeFi founders in. So, you know, we we um, brought on uh, Kane and Stani. Mm -hmm. Uh, from uh, synthetics and Ave, and, and then as well as Stefan um, from Dosis, and then a key, a few key individuals. But this was just, you know, a very, very, very small allocation just to kind of keep us going and get these folks involved. So, yeah, we've we've really kept um, funding to a minimum, and you know, been like super lean with with you know how we've built out Hop. Um, but that's allowed us to give, you know, just a ton uh, to the community and, and make sure that that the the DAO has like a bunch of firepower in the treasury and and uh, yeah, really happy with the way everything turned out.
0: Yeah, and where the the current state of crypto right now is that uh, seed funding and seed rounds are just like going bonkers in valuations in the private markets. And Hop never really engaged with that. It, it, and so you guys had the the one round with Ethereum years ago uh and then i think and then what you just said just with a few key more people just to keep to keep a uh, gas in the gas tank but it never really seemed to be about like how much can we raise from from vcs can you talk about just the ethos and the vibes that that you guys have tried to uh make in into the the whole hop entire in, into the hop ecosystem
1: yeah i mean that that's exactly right like we we re- truly believe in in decentralization and um you know, ultimately if, if the, the company behind um, or that, that like initially develops the product has like you know all the funding then then you know the community only has so much uh, control. And, and so what we want is really for hop to be community truly community led. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, you know the community will own the treasury uh, and, and you know there might be opportunities for investors to to get a piece of that treasury if they decide. Um, but we as, as kind of the initial development team uh, are now kind of transitioning to being a service provider for the DAO. And, and so in terms of like our budget and, and you know, that's all going to have to be requested uh, from us to the community saying, you know, here's what we're, we're providing, what we're bringing to the table and, and what we're asking to kind of like keep ourselves going.
0: Okay. So, and one final question before we get into the fun stuff, the token stuff, how many full-time hoppers are there? How many full-time people like work, work for
1: the hop protocol? So the, the, there's four of us. Four of us. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's not that many. Not that many, but you know, like I said, we're going to be growing the team uh, pretty aggressively. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have a, a bunch more hoppers here um, pretty soon. How much like bottom-up community involvement has there been? Um, There's been a lot, you know, we've seen, um, you know, definitely people have picked up, you know, like I said, uh, Dune dashboards, uh, Twitter bots, um, you know, someone did a Gnosis Safe integration. Uh, We've seen tons of like integrations across different um, products in in the crypto space. Um, Like David Mihal with uh, crypto fees has been uh, pretty cool. And and yeah, you know, definitely seeing the community start to pick up anything they can. Amazing. Yeah, I'm just reminded
0: of how uh, lean and simple, not, not necessarily simple, but just like, it doesn't take a whole lot to make a whole lot of value out of this base. Like Uniswap doing as much volume as Coinbase only had like 20 to 30 employees. And now we're seeing entire cross, uh, cross layer two bridges come out with just four people and a community. I'm going to imagine that community is about to get a lot bigger coming up soon here.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the three of us founders are all super technical. We all still are writing code, you know, are in the weeds. And then, you know, Lito just incredible on the marketing side and, and growth side. So, um, you know, feel, feel good you know, even though we're a smart small team, we, we can, um, you know, definitely pack a punch and, and get stuff out there. Amazing. Okay. Let's go into the details of the hop drop itself. What were the
0: criteria for, for getting the, the airdrop and how was that crit- criteria decided?
1: Yeah. So, so with our airdrop, um, the the goal was to one, you know reward early uh, participants of the network. So, you know, if you provided liquidity, um, then we wanted to basically like reward uh, for that contribution. Um, and then beyond that, we we targeted uh, achieving as broad of a distribution as possible. So, you know, l- like I've been talking about, we really want Hop to be truly community led uh, and, you know, truly decentralized. And, and so in order to do that, you know, we need to have like a very healthy distribution of tokens across, you know, a broad set. This has become an incredibly hard problem to do, and uh, just like I don't think people really realize the scale of um, people uh, farming airdrops. Like it is truly an industry. Uh, I, I you know I would guess that over the past year, you know, billions of to- dollars of tokens have been given away, and these farms are making, you know, probably hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and so you can imagine like, if they're scaling things up, they, they're hiring people, they are, you know, it, it really is a massive scale. It's not just like uh, Joe Schmo over there kind of spinning up 20 accounts and, and, and claiming 20 airdrops. And, you know, so these folks have uh, Discord accounts, they have Twitter accounts, they have ENS names, they're spending millions of dollars in transaction fees. Like the the going into this, we were like mind blown. Uh, once we started digging into uh, the different transactions, and so with Hop specifically, uh, we saw that you know a lot of these um, airdrop farmers were kind of like on on the low end, where where they would send you know fifty cents back and forth, back and forth um, a bunch of times uh, with a bunch of accounts. Um, and then we, we saw everything from that to like, you know, much more sophisticated, uh, where, you know, uh, farmers where they, they actually have, uh, you know, millions of dollars, like, like, you know, they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of volume, um, you know, really solid, the full spectrum. And, and so what this creates is like really hard problems. It's like, we want to give hop to the community. That's the goal, but how do we sort out our actual community? from uh, you know, one, these large-scale bot farmers, two, people who see kind of the airdrop as the product themselves. They don't care about the bridge. They, they just really want to get the airdrop and then bounce onto the next thing. Uh, and then there's like our actual community. Um, and so we we'd like tried a bunch of techniques. Uh, what we landed on was like creating these like initial criteria where it's like, Hey, you know we can't uh, sort out the bots if we just look at everybody. But if we create this like initial criteria, most of the bots will fall under it, and then we'll be able to actually manually go through and, and uh, w- you know both programmatically and manually go through and, and find our actual users and get them hop token. Um, so what we did is we we set the initial criteria. Uh, this moved around a little bit, and we set it as low as we possibly could at at two transfers and thousand dollars of volume. Um, so you know an average of five hundred dollars. If you're just doing two transfers, if you're only working with a hundred dollars, you could still make ten transfers, and you'll still uh, be included. Um, and so this kind of gave us our initial set of addresses. And then what we did is we we ran this you know algorithm that that actually tracked every single transfer that that these addresses have made, every single uh, bridge transaction that these tra- these addresses have made, and then we uh, filtered out all the exchanges, all of the contracts, all anything that, that might have interacted with multiple individuals and, uh, split up the interactions. And, and so this kind of like allowed us to isolate these groups of addresses that, that we could identify as being individuals, all that it's, uh, done programmatically it spits out a list of groups. And then we actually manually went through every single group and said, hey, you know, this group, they all are, are doing this exact same transaction at this exact same time. Looks like a bot farm, eliminated. Or this group, you know, looks like a bunch of NFT uh, users that are all friends with each other, sending each other money. You know, they're still included. They're getting HOP token. Uh, and that kind of led to uh, where we landed. So, we, you know, out of 40,000 addresses that met the criteria, we eliminated 10,000 of them uh and now uh the community is is kind of helping um to eliminate a bunch more i, I don't know if you want to get into that already
0: yeah, no, we, we certainly will. I, I think this is really cool and just it kind of illustrates the changing meta of airdrop dynamics. Uniswap had this just immaculate blessing of not having to worry about this because they invented the whole concept of a retroactive airdrop. And so no one was farming the Uniswap airdrop because that wasn't a thing to do. But they were the only people that were able to do that. Whoever was going to do the retroactive airdrop first had the blessing of like, cool, you get to do it first and it's pure that way. Following that, every single app was like, ooh, retroactive airdrop, retroactive airdrop. And it's starting to become gamed. And now it seems to be like there's this arms race of airdroppers versus airdrop farmers. Like who can get more creative in trying to figure out the mechanisms to farm the airdrop versus uh, which teams can figure out how to uh, mitigate against uh, these re- these retroactive airdrop farmers. How, how would you, if you had to like rate your efforts, your guys' efforts, as in like give your guys a scorecard of like how well you did in achieving your goals of mitigating the farmers, how well would you, how strongly would you rate yourself?
1: I, I think we did really well, you know, I, there was, we spent three months, uh, trying to figure this problem out. And, and, you know, the whole time we're so jealous of Uniswap just right. kind of being able to put it out there and, and there's no expectations. And, um, but yeah, we, we knew people, you know, had expectations and we, we really wanted to get, get, not just do like a plutocratic airdrop where we give to just the liquidity providers or just based on volume, um, like stuff that can't be gained, but, it was such a hard problem to, to uh, figure out, but yeah, I I think we did really well. I think, you know, there's, there are um, more bots that, that, you know, may still be there, but I think that, you know, we've already seen some really promising submissions from the community. And so what we've done is, is uh, said that, Hey, if you submit a a group of uh, addresses with very solid proof, we don't ever want to accidentally eliminate a legitimate user. Um, So it has to be like, you know, super tight. And, but if you do, you get 25% of the tokens that, that would have gone to the civil attacker. And then also, if you are a civil attacker, you can report yourself. So if you are scared that you are going to get caught by the community, which, you know, they likely will, there's a huge incentive to do it. You could just report yourself and, and you will get 25% of the tokens that you otherwise uh, would have gotten, or you can wait and get nothing. And, and so I'm super amazing.
0: excited that's amazing that's, that's such a Chad move because like it's game theoretical rational to just turn yourself in because like you still get the you still f- are farming the airdrop but you're mitigated by, by 75% so you like you still like congrats like you, you got something but like you're, you're still getting kneecapped in the total supply of what you're getting that is genius it's a little, little tip from the IRS <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's too funny and so also what you're doing with allowing people to report this uh report the the farmers the the airdrop farmers is like you're allowing other people to farm the farmers uh and so like it's it's you're putting this out into the market and you're allowing just raw financial incentives to uh reduce the distribution of tokens into the hands of people that shouldn't have gotten it in the first place this is really cool it's exactly yeah and so is this, is this like, you do you think going to be, like, the standard mechanism going forward? I, f- I feel like all future airdrops would probably use some sort of, like, mechanism like this.
1: I do. I do. Um, and I, I, but like you said, like, I think it is an arms race. And, and ultimately, it comes down to solving civil resistance. And, you know, we, you've seen people work on it for years. Like, like notably, Gitcoin has been working on it for a long time. It's a really hard problem. I, I, I don't know if it's solvable. So, I, you know, I do think people will use this if they try to do civil resistant airdrops, but uh, we might see this be one of the last civil resistant airdrops because the incentives are just too big for the farmers and, and it's too easy for them to hide.
0: Well, this is going to be an evolving story as we go forward, of course. Okay, I actually want to go into the actual distribution. Uh, and so, uh, Chris, you're not seeing it because I'm, I'm uh, live streaming my screen, but I'm, I'm showing the hop distribution pie chart. We got the treasury, we got the airdrop, we got the investors, we got the team. And we also have the future team. Uh, and so I kind of want to just go through these one by one, starting with the actual treasury, uh, so typically, I think the, see, I've seen the treasury uh, for like typical DAOs get spun up at just fifty percent seems to be like the shelling point. Uh, but you guys have chosen sixty point five percent. Is there any just like rhyme or reason into how that
1: number got decided? Yeah, I mean it, it's a symptom of like how lean we've been able to stay and, and get the protocol out there. So you know we, we think of like insiders as both team and investors and. Um, the typical slice, uh, for insiders in, in a, uh, DAO is, is like 40 to 50%. Uh, and for us it, it's, you know, right around, uh, 30%. And, and so that's, that's what has allowed us to give an extra 10% of firepower to the Dow. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay.
0: And then also, uh, I should also start with, there's a 1 billion hop supply, correct? So that makes that's it, right. uh, what is that? 650. 650- 605 million tokens of hop tokens are, are in the treasury and there's no other, there's no plans for those, right? They're just in the treasury, right?
1: Yeah, it's going to be up,
0: up to the community. Okay, so uh, I, I'm not sure if there's consensus on this, but I want you to uh, check this take of mine. If it's in the treasury, it's basically tokens that aren't in circulation, but are minted. But like when it comes to like the trading, like volume and also the market cap of this thing, they basically count as like unminted tokens. And so I actually consider the 605 million hop tokens to not actually exist because they're in the treasury, right? And also does the treasury have a lockup?
1: I, I think that's a fair take. And, and the treasury doesn't have a lockup. Um, so the community can kind of uh, spend them as, as uh, they see fit. Okay, so if you, if you, if you take my take,
0: uh, there's actually really just about 400 million hop tokens out there. The the 605 million from the treasury will slowly make themselves relevant over time. So this is why we call fully diluted valuation. Um, but if mm-hmm. we're talking about like today, the airdrop and what people are going to be clamoring about as soon as this token tar- starts trading for those purposes, like these tokens just don't exist. Um, but also so there there are some other categories where that falls into the same, uh, same category as well. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Airdrop at 8% uh, 8% of the total supply. So what is that? 80 million, uh, hop tokens. How did you guys decide on
1: 8%? Um, so, so we really wanted to, um, get a lot of hand uh, or tokens into the hands of the community, but, you know, like giving too much to bots was a concern. And then also, uh, the bridging space is incredibly competitive right now. And, um, liquidity mining plays a huge role, uh, in, in this. So, what we imagine the community will do uh, you know, soon after the Dow uh, launches is, is set up like uh, a liquidity mining to get um, you know, more liquidity into the pools that's gonna allow larger transfers and cheaper transfers um, through the bridge. And so we, we do imagine that a large portion of, of the treasury is gonna be uh, distributed um, it, you know, over the next year, over the next two years and, and uh, moving forward. Yeah. And I definitely
0: want to talk about the yield uh, opportunities that Layer 2 Bridges present, but we'll save that for the second half of the show. Um, investors, 6.25%. You talked about those. It's the uh, people that invested in Ethereum back in the day and also some select angels. How long? What's the lockup on those people?
1: Um, so for both team and investors, we, we have a, a three-year lockup um, with a one-year cliff. Um, so uh, both the team and the investors will have zero voting share uh, in the doubt. It, it's really going to be the bridge users and the liquidity providers who um, are con- in control for the, the first year.
0: Okay. Um, 22.45% for the team. That's the four founding members of the team, correct?
1: Yeah, just, just three founders.
0: But uh, yeah. Three founders, excuse me. Uh, and yeah. then also 2.8% for the future team, uh, which also will lead into a topic here in a second. Uh, but I would imagine the same lockup on those as well.
1: Uh, For a future team, it will likely be a, you know, standard four-year vesting schedule. The reason we did three years is because we've already been, you know, the founding team's been working on this for three years, Mm -hmm. uh, if you count Ethereum, and yeah, we've all been doing it at least one year. Yeah, okay. Well,
0: definitely, congratulations on this event. Uh, This has probably been a long time coming to have a token out and about, so this is probably pretty exciting for you.
1: Thanks. Yeah, it definitely
0: is. Uh, there's one other part of the, uh, of the uh, announcement post that we'll have linked in the show notes as soon as uh, this live stream is over. Uh, it's the Hop Foundation plus the Hop Labs. And, of course, the post itself is talking about the Hop DAO. So there's three entities now, the Foundation, yeah. Labs, the DAO. Can you just talk about all of these entities and how they relate to each other and what each
1: one does? Sure. Um, so, uh, Hop Labs is kind of this initial uh, entity. It's a US, ent- you know, Delaware C Corp. Um, we, you know, developed Hop Protocol, um, and this is, uh, you know, who employs us. Um, and so now that, that, you know, we're turning into a DAO, uh, we, uh, you know, the foundation is, is spun up in the Cayman Islands. And so this kind of acts as like a legal layer for the DAO, because there's a lot of uh, stuff still figuring, being figured out as far as like how to treat DAOs legally and, and, you know, what that looks like, you know, how taxes are paid and, and so on. Um, and so that this you know, helps kind of uh, limit liability and, and give like an entity for regulatory bodies to interact with if necessary. Uh, but ultimately, it's controlled by the DAO. You know, the, the, the um, foundation uh, is beholden to the token holders. Uh, the token holders can add and remove um, uh, board members of the foundation. Uh, the entire treasury is, is actually held, you know, in uh, the, you know, governance contract. So it's not like the, the foundation has like large amounts of funds or anything. Um, so, yeah, it, it really it just acts as like a legal layer uh, for the DAO. And then, you know, us as, as Hop Labs, now that, that you know, the, once the DAO's out there, we become a service provider to the DAO. So, you know, we've stayed super lean. We don't have like a massive treasury uh, or a huge budget or anything. Um, and, and so, what, what, you know, you'll see moving forward is that we will actually request funds from the DAO from the get go. I know lots of other projects are going to do this eventually, but, you know, they still have a long runway of, of VC funding to burn through before they really need to, to make the ask. Um, but, you know, we want, we, we think it's important to, uh, you know, actually, you know, be beholden to the the community and, and th- this is one way to do it where if they don't like what we're doing or, or, you know, we're not providing the services promised, like we, you know, our funding relies on it. Yeah. You got, you guys get asked just like anybody yeah. else. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. And then just uh, one uh, last few set of questions before we go to the second half of the show, which I think will be uh, very, very fun. Um, of, of course, what does the token do? What sort of responsibility does the DAO have? What, what are the powers of the token? What does it govern over?
1: Yeah. So, so right now, um, it, it is very much a, a like, purely governance token. Um, so, uh, but we do have, like, a, a bunch of uh, key parts of V1HOP that, that need governance. Um, so, you know one like top of mind one is is uh, incentives for the amms so we do imagine the community will choose to uh, set up incentives uh, you know get get a lot more liquidity make you know transactions cheaper um, and then we have this like active liquidity provider role called the bonder and V1 of Hop has this constraint uh, where we, you know, we can't just open up the bonder uh to be a completely permissionless role. Uh because they they, you know, with v1, like bonders might step on each other's toes and, and it has to be like a little bit more coordinated. So we have a bonder whitelist uh and ultimately the community will be able to choose. Uh, which bonders are, are kind of running for for each asset until we get to V2, uh, where we completely remove the whitelist. Uh the bonder is like a, a fully permissionless role. Anyone can spin one up like they would spin up like an E2 node in their living room. Um and yeah, so that that's the um bonder whitelist piece. Um and then, you know, we'd love to see the community set up like grants programs, you know, like a lot like um, other DAOs have done. And then, you know, obviously uh, manage the treasury funds, it would it like likely make sense to diversify a little bit and make sure that that hop uh, can survive a bear market. Um, but then also, you know, is, is like competitive with, um, you know, a lot, a lot of these other bridges that, that have like massive, massive treasuries uh, to, to you know, spend on various things. And then, um, lastly, like I said, you know, our own funding it, it needs to come from the hopped out itself. So the community will be in control of of like, um, you know, what that looks like, and and you know what they they ask from us. And I'm uh, now cognizant
0: that I forgot to ask the very important question of, uh, this is not an airdrop that you can claim at this present moment. There will be a claim date in the future. This is the, t- the period of time where all the Sybilers can get identified and all of that shenanigans. But when does the token actually go live? When will it actually be able to be claimed by the, uh, the airdrop recipients?
1: Um, so, so we're gonna give the community at least two weeks to uh, make reports uh, of any kind of like civil attacker groups. Um, depending if we are seeing like super high quality group, uh, groups being reported still after that two week period, we, we might extend it a bit. Um, but yeah, so I think we're looking about two to three weeks that you'll be able to claim your tokens and then, um, you know, hop will, will be in the community's hands. So it's
0: like, uh, the, the timing of a microwave popcorn bag, if you still hear the pops going off, we're going to wait and, and until we don't hear the pops going off anymore. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. (laughs) Amazing. Okay, cool. Uh, uh, Chris, I want to just pick your brain about Layer 2s. There's a bunch of like yield opportunities with Layer 2s, especially as volume picks up over Layer 2 summer. And overall, you you talked about how competitive the cross-chain Layer 2 bridge yeah, landscape's going to get. So I also want to pick your brain on that. And overall, just your takes on the Layer 2 ecosystem, the, the L222 movement, and whether you subscribe to that idea or not. So all of those conversations are coming up in the second half of the show, right after we get to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. All right, guys, and we are back for the second half of this show. And Chris, this is where I want to start first. You talked about how competitive the cross-layer-two bridging ecosystem is going to get and kind of alluded to how a lot of that treasury will likely be used for for liquidity mining incentives. So I want to talk about just the yield opportunities for cross-chain layer two bridges and how yield farming might begin in this whole entire paradigm like how much yield is out there like how much yield is available to capture and when these when the competition for these layers layer twos really heats up like how how big of a deal do you think this is going to get
1: yeah i think it should be really interesting like you know we're super excited about optimism's token launch um you know we'll, you know we'll see what else happens from there um and then you know with with the Hop token out there, um, you know if the community lines up incentives there, like things could definitely get really juicy. Um, I think already, you know, with, with Hop, you know, you're seeing uh, double digit returns um, for for stable tokens on some of the uh, pools that are are already incentivized, like the Polygon and, and Gnosis pools. Um, and yeah, so so there's yeah, tons of opportunities. And then I, I think like what, what you want to get into is, is like, you know, once we do see like these layer twos warring with each other, it's going to be tough to, to uh, win, you know, liquidity. And, and so, you know, we, we might see, uh, you know, the returns start to get really, really nice as, uh, you know, it gets more and more competitive to see like who's going to attract the most um, TBL.
0: And so, if we're looking to be liquidity providers for uh, for Hop, and I think the the cross layer two bridging liquidity providing ecosystem is actually. Uh, unique and, and different and like more attractive to me personally than just like liquidity or, uh, yield, uh, liquidity providing in Uniswap, right? Because if I want to liquidity provide my ETH and Uniswap, I kind of have to do it with like stable coins, which means I have to cut my ETH position in half and turn it into 50% stable coins. But like, I'm way more bullish on ETH than just holding a 50% supply of stable coins. So like with, with a cross layer two bridge, like hop or connects or something, I can provide ether only and get ether fees, um, and provide liquidity that way. So I get to hold my ETH, um, hold my ETH position, but also getting ETH fees and also potentially yield farming hop tokens along the way. So question to you is like, what are the volumes that our people are seeing? Is it a largely Ether uh, being transferred over? Or is it stable coins? Like what's the distribution of, of uh, uh, fees that are being collected by the protocol?
1: Yeah, but by far, um, ETH is our biggest bridge, and, and so you know, liquidity providers can definitely um, you know uh, provide liquidity with ETH and HETH. So you know, pretty much no risk of impermanent loss uh, because you can always claim your HETH on Layer One for the underlying ETH. Um, so yeah, it, it's a great way to just get straight yield on ETH without having to like expose yourself to like impermanent loss. That that you know, if ETH goes up, you'll end up with just a bunch of stable tokens. Um, and then, you know, second is USDC. Uh, USDC is like a hugely dominant asset. Um, and yeah, we, th- th- most of the stable coin volume is, is from there. Um, and you know, USDT and DAI are a little bit, uh, smaller. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it should be interesting what the yields look like after the, the token is out. I think, uh, right now there, there's a, you know, big chunk of liquidity in the pools. Uh, I think a lot of that was uh, folks kind of like, uh hoping for for this airdrop um but now that it's out you know that there's going to be need to be some incentives if if the community wants to like keep these uh lps around
0: and do you know the rates that people are getting for supplying eth is there a, i don't know if there's like a maybe a dune dashboard or an analytics that we could look at but is there like a um uh, what's like the average yield that people are getting on their on their eth
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so you can see it right on our, our site, you know, HOP exchange. Um, it'll, it'll, uh, when you go to LP, it will it will show you um, the trading fees. And then also uh, if there's a staking pool set up, it will show you the additional staking rewards. Um, and right now, you know, because there was, um, you know, folks like, like hoping for the airdrop, the yields aren't like super attractive. Uh, but um, that's because there is a lot of liquidity. Uh, There's an outsized amount of liquidity for just the trading fees, Uh, but that's gonna change really fast once, you know, if the community decides to um, add some additional incentives there. So Um,
0: now that this token's already out, do you think all these like disgruntled farmers that got cut out, are they just gonna like migrate to Connext, which hasn't done their airdrop yet? And so they're just gonna go and retroactively farm like the next layer two bridge?
1: It's possible, but, you know, I, I, we're going to be pretty um, or, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but like I'd imagine the the incentives will will be there fast and, and um, you know, pe- people, uh, I, don't, I don't think we'll move um, too fast. Cool. Um, and one thing I forgot to say is that the ETH, ETH rewards on uh, Polygon and Gnosis Chain, those are both incentivized right now. And, and uh, I do believe that the yields are pretty juicy.
0: Lovely, lovely. All right. Well, we'll get some links into the show notes so people can uh, check out those yields. Uh, and then, uh, of course, as uh, Layer Two season progresses, like Optimism token came out, Hot Protocol token came out. Kinex has explicitly stated their token is coming, uh, and I, g- I can only guess Arbitrum's token is coming out. Like just zooming out over the broader like Ethereum ecosystem, do you subscribe to this being like the major catalyst needed to instigate a L two 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 Layer Two twenty two?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I, I think, um, like, especially like the optimistic role teams were, were super concerned when they, uh, were launching because like people were so desperate for cheaper fees and, and like what they were bringing to the table. But, uh, from a security standpoint, I think there was a lot of concerns about like just having a flood of, of, uh, mm. you know, liquidity, uh, move over and, and, you know, before things like got really battle tested and, and played out. Um, but I do think the teams are feeling super, a lot more comfortable than, than when they launched and, and, uh, you know, like obviously optimism is, is ready to incentivize things already. And, and. Yeah, like uh, th- there's just so many flywheel effects here. Like, like if optimism starts really uh, creating juicy incentives on on their chain, and, and we see like others do the same thing, and those are are competing with each other, and then we see a lot of activity move to layer two, and so now if you're on layer one, you're competing with uh you're competing on block space with other layer twos, and layer twos can use block space so much more efficiently. Uh, so now you're like even more likely, you're potentially more likely to get priced out of layer one, and and you know even more incentives to move to layer two, and that flywheel uh, plays out. So I, I really do believe it, um, and and this is an incentive that'll kick it off.
0: Yeah, and it, a, a nuance here that's important to unpack is that back in twenty twenty or in twenty twenty one layer twos were just not ready. Their infrastructure was not refined yet. And, and really just the story of 2021 was alternative layer ones beating layer twos to the punch because layer two tech wasn't really developed yet. Would you say that the state of layer two tech is ready to onboard a bunch of liquidity, a bunch of users, a bunch of transaction volume uh, without having any like major hiccups? Like, is there any sort of insights you know about what's going on with the
1: layer two teams? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, you know, as far as security goes, like I think they've they've done a good job. Um, you know, like there hasn't been a, a hack of of you know the optimistic rollups. Um, and you know, I do think that there is um, still progress being made as far as like uh, decentralization and and fraud proofs and uh, you know, w- w- which is like kind of allows you to not trust uh, what's known as like the sequencer who's kind of moving stuff along. Um, But, you know, knowing the teams, like, like they're, they're, you know, all super committed to, to like being truly decentralized, being, you know, really uh, not having any trust involved. Um, So, you know, beyond that, the user experience is amazing. Like, like I, I, you know, if you haven't messed with, with one of the optimistic rollups, like just going from layer one Ethereum, where you make a transaction you're waiting 10 minutes, you're trying to guess at the gas you want to use. You go to layer two, you make a transaction. It's just a set fee. You don't have to think about it. And it gets confirmed immediately. It's like almost like a web two experience where you make a transaction, you see the effects. And, and um, yeah, I I can't imagine um, going back to layer one after, after moving over.
0: Yeah, if you have not used a Layer 2, which I imagine a lot of the viewers have because, uh, you know, that's what Hop deposits you on. Uh, Still, though, if you have not yet used one, you got to do it. It is pure magic. Uh, Chris... I'm sure you're a busy guy. Your airdrop just got launched. I'm sure your discord is just in just a very like energetic place to be right now. Uh, so I want to let you get back to the very, very busy life of a post airdrop team. But first, some final questions for you. What's next for Hop? Like what do you think? Uh, what are you going to have to go do like right now after this live stream ends? And
1: then what do you guys focus on over the next few months? Yeah, so so right after this podcast, you know, we're we're focused on kind of reviewing the the reports that are being submitted, getting ready to actually, you know, get the DAO live, get the tokens live, uh, allow people to claim, um, and, and then yeah, you know, turn it over to the community. Uh, that that's going to be super interesting. See people kind of step up. Uh, we're. we're um, you know, taking delegates right now. So if you're interested in, in uh, you know participating in Hop governance and, and want people to kind of delegate their voting share to you, uh, please apply on, on our forum, um, and, and you know we'll help promote you and everything. And um, yeah, beyond that, you know we're, we're you know excited to see where the community takes it. We we have some thoughts as far as like um, next iterations of, of Hop that could be really interesting. Um, yeah, just, just, uh, excited to see where it goes from here. Amazing, Chris. Well, I do believe that layer two, two,
0: two is on the horizon and it's because airdrop season is back on the menu. Uh, so thank <laughs> you for being the number two layer two token layer two related token to come to the table. I'm really excited about this coming revolution of the layer two Ethereum. Uh, and of course, uh, I'm going to go do some hopping myself after right after this. So Chris, thank you for coming on and explaining the, the, the launch of
1: the hop out for us. Thanks for having me, David. And yeah, super excited as well. Should be a fun year.
0: Cheers. All right, Bankless Nation, you know you know what to do, and you know what you're about to hear. Crypto is risky. DeFi is risky. Layer twos are also risky, and so are bridges. We know bridges are risky. You can lose what you put in. Where this is the frontier, we are headed west. But we are, and we are glad you are with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot.